Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Played it. Oh, and a challenge. There it is. There it is. There it is. Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale's foul. The Oracle next to me, David Choate. Gareth Bale has won a penalty for Wales. The number 11. Proudly on the back, he approaches, he strikes it under the back of the net, high above Turner, it's a goal 64 years in the making, Wales level, Wales won, the United States won, 82 minutes played. It's 11.02 here on SENZ and I'm surprised he's got any voice left but Daniel McCarty has and he's uh, deemed it us a, a good enough show for him to be able to talk to this morning about uh, the Football World Cup and that was his voice you heard uh, describing the 12th of 12 goals actually scored in the football action overnight at the World Cup in Qatar. So uh, Daniel, first of all, it's been 64 years in the making. What has? Uh, Wales are back at a World Cup. Smithy, good morning to you. Uh, you're always good enough for me, Smithy. You know I have very high standards. Uh, 64 long years. 64 long years. 1958 was the last time Wales uh, were at a World Cup. Um, if you want me to go even deeper, 23,533 days since they last scored at a FIFA World Cup. Uh, incredible, really, um, that Wales have been out of uh, the big time for this long. I must admit, if you, if you get a chance to watch a replay of the game, Smithy, watch the national anthem. I'm not Welsh. In fact, I think I'm about 2% Welsh. Uh, I, I had tears welling up. It was so emotional. Um, uh, the United States fans were excellent too. Uh, so it, it was quite an emotional sort of return for Wales. They were second best for long periods of the game, though. Really impressed with the high-energy, um, enthusiastic, young American uh, lineup led by Christian Pulisic, who... who um, Slid a wonderful pass through to Tim Weir to score after 36 minutes. Uh, Pulisic was, was a real menace, dropping into little half spaces and creating real turmoil. I thought Wales might have had a little bit of stage fright in the first half. They were very passive. They obviously want to sit off and counter-attack sides, uh, but there was no sign of any real counter-attack. So at halftime, Rob Page, their uh, manager, made the change, brought on Kiefer Moore, who's a good old-fashioned uh, target man up front. And they were just a little bit more direct, a little bit more assertive um, and, and left their fingerprints on the game more. I don't think they dominated the second half. There was probably more parity in that one. And I, I thought the States sort of ran out of steam. The, the United States played this high-pressing game. It's all energy. And in uh, the tricky uh, conditions, the heat and humidity, I thought they um, you know, slowed down somewhat and probably will reflect on not creating enough chances with all the possession and uh, good, good field position that they had in that first half. So probably on is even is fair enough. But Gareth Bale, 
he was on the periphery the whole game, and David Choke called it about 60 seconds before that penalty. He just said, you watch this, Gareth Bale's about to do something, and he won a penalty. Zimmerman uh, probably will reflect on a, on a needless challenge. He had his back to goal, did Gareth Bale. Mm-hmm. Uh, one little mistake. And uh, the key man, probably the most important man for one team at this World Cup. Um, you know, a huge moment for Wales to, to register a point in their first game. I watched. The, I was able to watch some of it um, because I've got a TV on whilst I'm doing the the show. Actually, so I did see some of it. What I also saw was some. I won't say. I, 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 for want of a better word, aggressive refereeing. Uh, a lot of cards. <laughs> seemingly, seemingly a lot of cards. The most excited man on the field in the opening twenty minutes was our Qatari referee. He was charging in like a peacock. Um, waving hands around in a lot of robust conversations that doled out um, you know, quite a few cards, a couple to the Americans in the opening 15 minutes. I don't think he got many of them wrong, in fairness. Um, but uh, uh, it always can be a little bit of a worry, Smithy, um, when, when the referee is the most excitable player on the park or the most excited mm. person on the park. Uh, but ultimately, he got the big call right. There was absolutely no doubt about the penalty. He whistled straight away. He was in perfect position for it. He was no more than four or five metres away. Um, so uh, no, no blight on his record book, but he certainly did uh, make the most of his uh, you know, moment in the sun. But I wouldn't mess with him. He's quite a big unit, um, uh, the referee. He'd be well over six foot, so uh, I'm sure you wouldn't have uh, said anything to him if he was officiating you. <laughs> Mate, I wouldn't last five minutes on a football field these days. I, I used to get, I used to get cautioned. I used to get cautioned to Saturday morning with Miramar Rangers about 40, 40, 55 years ago when I played alongside the Choke Brothers. There you go. Uh, that's oh, that's interesting. Mir- oh, you're a part of the Miramar Mafia. Oh, oh you really yes, are family. I, I am. I'm Five Flame Crawford Green. So there you go. Uh, okay, let's go a little bit earlier in the in the, the morning, shall we say? Now, what kind of money would I got on the fact that England would score six goals and Harry Kane wouldn't get one? What kind of freight yeah. would I got on that? Well, Harry Kane scores a goal a game at World Cups. Uh, you would have got huge money, Smithy. Firstly, 6-2, the scoreline in of itself is a shock. Iran are a good side, uh, very good up top, a um, couple of really good strikers, but have been cut to shreds. Carlos Queiroz is their head coach, and he generally sets up sides to be painful to play against. Often, his sides get criticised for being turgid with ball uh, at feet. They, they were cut to ribbons by uh, England. What, what I can't fathom, and I know their results in the lead-up to the tournament hadn't been great, but I've been listening and reading a lot uh, of the UK press. There's so much doom and gloom about England uh, heading into this tournament. You just look at the, the players on that team sheet. There's so much quality. So to discount England... Um, I, I think it's a little bit foolish. Yes, their form hasn't been good, but there's too much quality there. Iran, I do worry about them now, Smithy, after a result like that. What's going on at home? Not sure if you're caught up with. Uh, there was obviously some turmoil leading up to the World Cup where they re- refused to sing the national anthem. Um, they uh, were warned that they had to sing the national anthem here. There was some suggestion that they would have to sign a waiver to agree to sing the national anthem. It sounds like... Um, uh, a lot of the players didn't. Uh, Iranian TV cut away as a result from that. So um, if knives were not out for them at that stage, they certainly will be out um, after losing six goals to two. This was a group where I think all sides were ranked inside the top 20. That's how mm-hmm. Iran have been, but they were miles off the pace. And you do wonder 
if there is a little bit of turmoil going on. I, I know there are their strike partners. Um, uh, don't see eye to eye politically, so what's going on at home seems to be having an impact inside that camp, which is a real shame. One of the other shames, of course, and it's going to be tarred with this, uh, there's no doubt about it, this Qatar World Cup, is uh, the human rights issue, which of course is, um, has been um, in the headlines, the fact that uh, some of the captains, some of the players were wanting to use uh, One Love armbands. FIFA have said, you wear an armband of that nature. You have an automatic yellow card before the whistle is blown. You wear it two, of course, or three. You're out of the tournament, effectively. So they've backed them into a corner here on this issue. So the, I can't understand this. How often do you see the captain's armband? How often do you pay attention to the captain's armband? Yeah, it's a little gesture. Um, I, I think uh, you can go uh, far further if you're these teams as far as making you know, important gestures. I think FIFA and the Qatari authorities have made this a bigger deal as a result. The, the, this story will be far more reported than, um, uh, you know, Virgil van Dijk wore the, the One Love armband uh, against Senegal earlier this morning. I'm not sure, too sure how you feel about, um, uh, about my suggestion there, but... I think they've, um, you know, created a lot of attention, but rightly so. We had, you know, one of the chief organisers saying homosexuality is, you know, a disease of the mind, essentially, in the lead-up to this tournament. Yeah, I, I know um, you want to respect our nations and the way they live their life, but, um, you know, free speech is an important one to all of us, isn't it? And, yeah, I, I, I just think it's been uh, poorly handled. And uh, as a result, now Western media is going to focus on this a lot more than uh, just allowing them to wear, wear, the, wear the armband, in my opinion. I might be wrong. Well, that's the other issue, of course, is the fans. Without uh, a football, without fans, a football World Cup just isn't a football World Cup, and that includes, of course, exactly. you go on a, a football, you go on a football sporting trip. Um, you know, uh, you expect that um, you're going to have a decent sort of social time as well. I mean, you're saved for it forever to go on this thing. Uh, I can remember playing in and commentating uh, World Cups in Pakistan, where there was no alcohol. Uh, you knew that before yeah. you went. No, no alcohol for the fans. You knew that uh, for the players, etc. Um, you couldn't even really get exemptions back in those days. Things are a little bit more liberal now, but is it a case with the fans here is just let the buyer beware? I mean, did FIFA, uh, FIFA really trying to tell us they didn't realise till 24 hours out that this would be the case by the, the Qatar royal family? What, is, what do you reckon? Yeah, yeah very strange with, with the alcohol because, you know, the talk for, for months, um, almost years leading up to it, was there might not be alcohol. Um, available. Then there was a bit of a song and dance made that, yes, it will be available. And then, what, 48 hours before the tournament kicks off, um, that's dragged out. Although the corporates, I understand, Smithy, were still able to buy their 25 New Zealand dollar Budweiser's. I don't know how, um, why anyone in their right mind would spend 25 bucks on that. Um, you know, quite bizarre, really. Um, you're so right. And, you know, suggestions from Gianni Infantino, oh, you can go without uh, alcohol for a couple of hours. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's certainly not serving uh, the fans particularly well. I, I did have a good chuckle um, when, I, when I heard, saw the Ecuadorian fans yesterday uh, chanting, we want beer, we want beer uh, during a game for which the Qatari fans, and, and this can't be ignored, I know it's a small nation, that stadium was almost half empty in the second half. A lot of Qatari fans left at half time. So you can spend $220 billion dollars I think that's U.S. they've spent on this tournament, which is as much as the last eight World Cup combined. Combined, you can't theoretically buy fans, can you? You can't 
create something out of nothing. You that, you can't contrive fandom uh, in sport, it, it would seem. So, yeah, it's just uh, it's, it's a messy start to a tournament, which should all be about what's on the field, but rightly so. I can understand why uh, there's so much attention off it. Well, let's get back to the field, because I... I, I Disappoints me to have to, to continue to talk about, and we're only a couple of days yeah. in, and there's going to yeah. be more. Absolutely. You know, there's going to be so many more issues. So let, let's get to, back to the field tour. One of the sides that flatters to deceive all the time, and that, of course, is the Dutch, the Netherlands. And they left it pretty late, but they got up 2 0 over Senegal. Yeah, always my favourite side. I've been, um, I've had a very soft spot for the Dutch since uh, the wonderful side of 1988 won the European Championship with Ruud Hullet jumping around with the, the dreadlocks and Van Busten, you know, volley in the final. Uh, they are a side who have flattered to deceive, to use your words, and a side who traditionally, Smithy, rely on their attacking quality. Uh, for years and years and years, you could always bank on a 4-3-3. Uh, the, the Dutch had their style. Uh, you could prepare for them because they had this um, you know, innate self-confidence that their style would work. Well, it's not the case really in 2022. Louis van Gaal is uh, a very wily, um, experienced campaigner. Um, his backstory uh, is a fascinating one. It's his last tournament. The man is suffering from cancer that will um, essentially take his life. Uh, it's his last show, and um, he, he's, he's playing the cards he's dealt with. And this generation of Dutch players are very good defensively, led by Virgil van Dijk, uh, Frankie de Jong, um, deep-lying midfielder. And further forward, they sort of struggle. And, and this morning, Memphis Depay, who really is their talisman going forward, wasn't available to them. So, Vincent Janssen uh, started now. Vincent Janssen was the butt of um, you know English football them jokes after a very very um, lean, shall I say, uh, club spell in the UK. But somehow he's found his way back in the Dutch mix and actually started. But you're right, they did have to work hard against Senegal. Senegal's a really good team. They're the champions of Africa. The problem is, I see for Senegal, losing Sadio Mane is just crippling to them. Uh, I, I think they just lose so much with him being ruled out uh, uh, with injury. And that sort of showed. I, I didn't see a whole heap um, in that final third. Uh, defensively through midfield, they're, they're a good side. Um, and, and I do wonder now how they're going to respond. Um, and, and the Dutch, I, I think, will progress. You can put a line through uh, Qatar. They were never going to get out of the group. So it really does come down to uh, a, a three teams with Ecuador getting off the mark. Uh, Ecuador and, uh, yeah, I, I'm struggling to... I wouldn't be surprised if Senegal is maybe one of the bigger missions from the second round. Okay, interesting. Uh, right, four more uh, matches tonight. Eight more teams, of course, having their first uh, match in the Saudi uh, in the Qatar World Cup. So let's uh, look at those as they go through chronologically. BP Brendan Popple saying there's a lot of money on Argentina to score plenty of goals against Saudi Arabia, and that's first up at 11 p.m. our time. Well, that makes sense. Uh, Argentina are nine favourites in many people's eyes. Uh, they've got such a good balance to their side. A bit like the Dutch of yesteryear. They always used to be sort of top-heavy uh, and didn't have the balance. They've got it now. Uh, Messi seems to be very happy at Paris Saint-Germain, scoring goals unlike last season. They've got the Cop um, uh, Copa America Championship to their name. Um, so they're too good for Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, um, you know, without being too disparaging, probably are one of the weakest sides of this tournament. So that, that's a win to Argentina, in my mind, no doubt. Right, OK. Uh, we'll move on from there. Uh, Messi, of course, will be involved there. Lionel Messi. Uh, Denmark, Tunisia at 2am. Uh, this is uh, Group D action. 
Yeah, well, Denmark had a great European Championship, didn't they? They were uh, unlucky not to get past England in the semi-final. Uh, you know, a controversial penalty and extra time. Uh, very experienced group. Uh, have been around for a long time. Some real quality. Christian Eriksen, isn't it wonderful to see him back at a World Cup after that? You know, horror side of him having to be mm. resuscitated on the field at that European Championship. He's a real maestro um, at the top of their uh, their attacking line. Uh, but uh, can they show the consistency back-to-back tournaments? That, that's a bit of a question. Um, Tunisia, it's a side I'm unsure about. They've got some, you know, individual quality. Um, you know, Ziyech's a, a really fine player. Um, but but if, if I'm too... To put my uh, neck on the line, I'll say Denmark win that game and probably progress out of the group at the expense of Tunisia and Australia with France also to go through. Okay, right. Um, I I don't mind the day. I wouldn't say I'm absolutely excited to watch Denmark play football, um, but they are solid. There's no doubt about it. They play really good. Yeah, they're really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Really competent. Yeah. Hard to break. Very well organised. They don't have they don't have a world class forwards in my opinion, that would scare opposition sides. So I could see them making it through to the quarterfinals. Beyond that, I have my doubt. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if someone gives them a hiding, though, along the way. Um, here yeah. we go. Um, Mexico, the flamboyance, uh, unpredictability of Mexico up against uh, Poland, another very powerful European side, of course. Uh, that's a 5 a.m. tomorrow morning a game out of Group C. How do you see this? I've actually punted this as a draw. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad shout at all. Uh, Mexico were um, a little bit unconvincing in qualification out of CONCACAF, finishing behind Canada and the US from memory. Uh, You say uh, um, unpredictable. At Football World Cups, they're the most predictable beast on the planet. They've made the second round seven straight tournaments, Smithy, and have not progressed out of the second round seven straight Mm. times. Um, It's an incredibly um, bizarre record, if you think about it. What, what I struggle with, as far as being optimistic about Mexico, is where are the goals coming from? I, I think um, Vegas was their leading goal scorer in qualification with two goals. There you go. That, that probably sums them up. Poland have a maestro up top, Robert Lewandowski, um, if not the very best number nine going around the world. Uh, he was brilliant in qualification for them. They scored a whole heap of goals in qualification. I think maybe third or fourth best out of Europe. But when you get to these tournaments against the better sides, do they have enough service to, to really get uh, Lewandowski um, uh, into things? I think there's deficiencies uh, across certain parts of the field. But th- th- this is the game of um, who will progress um, out of that group. Uh, it's a huge game for both those two nations. And a loss tomorrow morning, I think kickoffs at 5am, uh, would be devastating to, to both those teams' campaigns. Australia have been uh, rocked by injury. Um, they had to really fight like hell to get to the World Cup, and they did, but they've yeah. lost players, key players, and they have a real hurdle tomorrow morning uh, at uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, that's uh, against the French, who, well, you, you just don't know, do you, really? But um, all, in all honesty, this is one the French should win. I do feel for Australia. Um, they are one of those nations where everything needs to break their way. You need everything to go your way, and health is at the top of the billing there. It hasn't, uh, as you pointed out. Graham Arnold, their coach, has set a very high benchmark, saying, why not get to the knockout stage? I think he might have said, why not get to the quarterfinals? I think that's probably a bridge too far. Um, Denmark, I, I think, are ultra-consistent. Uh, France, on the other hand, world champions, 
but listening to some uh, pretty wise uh, footballing minds out of France, um, you know, memories of 2002 are flooding back. Um, Smith, you might remember they were defending champs in 2002, were besieged mm. by injuries prior to the tournament and didn't even make it out of the group stage. Now, they've lost uh, Kante and uh, Potter in the middle of the park, their central midfield part, uh, uh, duo who worked so well together. It's a devastating blow. And now they've lost the Ballon d'Or winner, uh, Karim Benzema, who's out. There's also injuries mm. across the park in other areas. They are vulnerable, uh, but I just don't think Australia has enough weapons uh, to beat them. Um, France, four years ago, were very prudent. They didn't play ultra-attacking football. Um, they managed the games very well and then used their quality up front. I know they've got injuries, but they've still got the likes of Griezmann, uh, Mbappe up top. Uh, France will beat Australia and probably probably will defy the sort of naysayers are expecting uh, an implosion. I think they'll get out of the group stage. I, do, I actually don't see France going beyond the quarterfinals, though, this time around. OK, um, just finally, when can we hear you and the Oracle back together again, you and Choate? Oh, Choate was magnificent this morning. Picked it like a dirty nose, didn't he? Uh, to, uh, David's got tomorrow morning off. He reckons he's got an important meeting. I think it has much to do with the fact that we've got a five o'clock kickoff tomorrow. Uh, so Chody's got the day off tomorrow. He's back for the following day. But I've got a pretty good uh, replacement, former uh, New Zealand midfielder and our good friend uh, Rafael Di Gregorio to join me in commentary. And uh, tomorrow um, we've got a few tongue twisters to get our head around. We've got uh, Polska. We've got Poland up against Mexico. Smithy, what could possibly go wrong in a, in a commentary box when Poland's involved? Too many consonants, Nothing. not enough vowels. Not enough, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what'll help you get through it. Some pizza, some pizza at five o'clock. That'll help you get through it. <laughs> well, Raf, if you want pizza on Wellington, Raf is your man. Pizza Napoli, very best. He'll be cockahoot because his Napoli's actually winning Serie A. So I like to think he's oh. going to be a happy man despite the early start. No, he will be, and Napoli are going extra special. I keep an eye on him because of that fact that he supports them. Hey, Daniel, thanks very much for your time, mate. I know you've uh, got some early mornings ahead of you, so thanks for giving us a bit of your time in review of day two and looking forward to day three. Thanks, mate. I appreciate right, it. Please just leave Good, good, Cheers, good to chat uh, as always, mate. Take it easy. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.